comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 43 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I'll be hosting Rahoff Amur. If I look back at it and I like just made, like if I just gave the confidence to one one person um, to like just stick with what they're doing, no matter how hard it gets or no matter how many setbacks they face or whatever, like you just stay true to what you want to do and your passion and who you are. Even though sometimes society tells you not to, or it's not the path your parents wanted you, or whatever, like if I am able to help one other person achieve that, then I'm good. She is a local chef. Um, I met her through um, Arkansas Alumni Connection a couple years ago, and I've uh, watched her go to a couple different restaurants and kind of followed her. And, Thought she'd be a great person to interview, and she did not disappoint. She actually recently was on the Food Network show Chopped. And, well, I won't ruin the surprise for you. She talks about that and, um, you know, the experience of it and the impact that it's made. And so she just shares that, shares some of her story and talks about how she uh, always had a passion from, I think, age 13, um, loved cooking. And uh, we kind of explored that, explored why she went to college versus culinary school. Um, That was some interesting conversations as I have three boys and I often think about what college looks like for them if they'll be going to college. Um, Just because I think uh, Bryce is almost 12, so he still has uh, quite a few years to think about that. And as I sit down with uh, business people, entrepreneurs, coaches, you know, I think even in five or six years, there's going to be, uh, I think college might look a little different in what and how people pursue their future career, you know, at such an early age. That's a big decision to uh, to make, not to mention all the potential um, debt that college students are going in. So anyways, we talked about that a little bit and uh, talked about many other things and how, uh, how she's making an impact in the food scene in Nashville being a, uh, a woman chef. So uh, anyways, I know you'll enjoy it as much as I did hanging out with her. So sit back and enjoy the conversation. Hello, Nashville. Coming to you behind um, the Bluebird Cafe, Tattle <laughs> Boxing in Green Hills. And uh, today, Chef Rahoff is joining me. Hello, everybody. Hello. This is my first podcast, so I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you for uh, coming out um, and meeting me here. So uh, we are going to dive into some of her story as she is a uh, local chef making a splash in the Nashville market. So uh, let's start out. Um, tell me what gets Chef Rahoff excited to get out of bed early every morning. Ooh. I shouldn't say early. You might sleep in, but. No, I don't have time to sleep in anymore. I miss those days. Um, what gets me excited? Oh, I don't know. Honestly, a lot of things. 
Um, but as of right now, getting to kind of curate customized menus for people, like when I have a day where it's just like all menu planning, I like those days because that's kind of where like my creative juices start flowing and I can just all the crazy and wacky ideas that come into my mind, I can like put them on pen and paper and then I can actually go and create them and have like that visual. And so it's like I literally can take my thought and then in a day or two, then have it, have it right there looking at me, you know? Right. And right. most of the time it t doesn't taste too bad. Yeah. You know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it does. But it's, it's interesting just to think about like how, you know, we're all wired differently. And so I'm sometimes waking up thinking about my day in real estate or, you know, marketing, what I should be doing. And, and I don't ever think about food. You mm -hmm. know, I, I had a, I ate a burger um, today at um, the ground restaurant in Franklin. Okay. Really good. So I did think about that today. Um, but it's like, I don't ever think about food. So it's just funny to hear like how you're just like, you got all this ingredients and everything probably just yeah i mean i never head. think about real estate so you yeah. know there we go same page <laughs> that's pretty cool all right so let's uh let's start out with your childhood years um oh. what did it look like in your household uh hectic so i come from a very big family i have five brothers and sisters and um my parents are syrian so loud noises chaos so growing up my mom and you know she hates when i tell people this but she's not a good cook mm. um so growing up my dad cooked a lot it was a lot of middle eastern food um hummus pita olives like all kind of like mez kind of platters for uh for breakfast and then after school again because my dad would be at work we'd have like mcdonald's or subway or something like that and then dinner, you know, my aunt sometimes would come over to cook. My dad would always be cooking. Like, and growing up, you know, especially in like middle school and stuff, you're not like super excited to eat. I mean, at least for, you know, for me and my siblings, we weren't like thrilled that we were gonna be eating like, you know, tabbouleh or kibbe or mm -hmm. all these Middle Eastern flavors, you know. We grew up in America and we were used to being like pasta, cheeseburgers, all that stuff. So it was really special when we got to, when everybody decided we're gonna all have dinner today because everyone was like, yeah, okay, it's not so bad, we'll eat this. Right. And so growing up with that was interesting because I kind of developed my love for food around 13. And that's when I really realized like, I like to do this. But again, there wasn't really anybody that could teach me or kind of guide me through that. You know, my dad was at work for most of the day and my mom She's, she's not cooking. Right. Uh, you know, I remember one of the meals my mom made us growing up was pasta, but it was just spaghetti, and then she folded in some ketchup. Oh, nice. So, you know, really <laughs> flavorful there. It wasn't uh, even meat or anything. No, it was just, it was just ketchup. ketchup and pasta. Oh, wow. There you go. Um, so I just, I think I expressed interest about cooking to a neighbor, and she was from Thailand, and she was like, oh, well, come over to my house, and we'll cook. And... I went over to the, her house and I think we made like some sort of rendition of like pad thai or something like that. And I made it with my own hands, like right there with her. And I remember taking it home and all my siblings being like, no, you don't make this, you don't make this. And I was like, yeah, I did. And that was like the first time it clicked. Like, I like this, like yeah. I like cooking, making something with your hands and then somebody else enjoys, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then I started cooking for my family and my siblings really appreciated that right, right? your mom uh-huh you know. yeah 
And so you you put salt and pepper in the ketchup with the spaghetti. Exactly, I yeah. seasoned the ketchup. Right. You know, some things that she didn't do. Obviously, right. that was the problem. There was right. lacking seasoning. Um, and so then, the more and more I started cooking there, it it really did bring my family closer together. You know, and yes, it was still loud, uh, but people were happy and they were full. And and did you grow up in Virginia? So yes, I okay. was born in California. <clears throat> okay. During an earthquake, eighty nine. And my that freaked my mom out, obviously. So then we moved to. Is that why you had a baby? Is that why she had the baby because of the earthquake freaked her out and you came out or something? You know, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, something like that. Um, and so they ended up moving to Virginia. You know, five minutes right outside of D.C. Pretty much because my dad had some family there, and it was like, oh, okay, we'll go there. And I kind of just grew up there. I moved to Nashville now. Gosh, it's almost it's been five years, which okay. that just zoomed. Yeah. By, honestly you've been busy yeah i've been busy um but yeah so uh so how were the 10 years so obviously you learned um you started venturing into cooking mm-hmm. um was that like was it school and cooking at that point or did you what else did it look like yeah how was your, so how my was your... teen years uh high school was fun for me i will I, you know now that i think back about it high school was fun for me i started teaching myself um, French cuisine, right? Because that's like kind of the staple, the the basic that uh, you need to kind of learn to advance. And so I kind of just, again, would cook for friends, cook for my family. Um, and when I wasn't cooking and if, you know, I wasn't in school, I'm honestly trying to think of that. Like people always ask me, what are your hobbies? But like my hobbies were cooking. Mm. Like I didn't really do much outside. I mean, obviously hanging out with friends, uh, you know, there are a couple times or multiple times, not a couple times, you know, we'd be like, Oh, we're just going to go here. But really, you know, we're at the hookah bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like for my teen years were kind of pretty, pretty normal with just like my socialized, hanging out with friends. So I'm curious with, um, you said your dad could cook your mom, not so much. Uh-huh. So did you go did you eat some food that was really good that made you wanted to like venture into more and to actually have some good food to mm-hmm. eat? You know what I mean? Like, was there something that triggered it or you think it's just something just happened? So honestly, like I think what triggered it was the food network for me. Okay. Like I was just, okay. and I remember at that point it was like Rachel Ray had 30 minute meals and $40 a day and Bobby Flay was like a big thing. And I just remember like really being enamored by the food network. And so I think that's what triggered it. But also, like, I wasn't, I guess just because it was is what I grew up with, I was never impressed with mm-hmm. any of the food that my dad or my aunt, you know, would make or anything. I was just like, eh, whatever. I was right. more, it like, more curious about the outside food, right? Like, the French cuisine, the Japanese cuisine. I wanted to eat everything but mm-hmm. what my parents um, or my dad was cooking. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah. The food enough, network. The food network, oddly enough. Nice. Yeah. All right. So um, now that you conquered high school, what yeah. was next? Oof. So after high school, I still had that like fire in me. Like I still wanted to cook. And that just was not. I wanted to go to culinary school. That was not an option for my, you know, parents. They And again, I do say that I think the culinary world has like really drastically changed from, you know, when I was 15 and mm-hmm. now. Um, so at that point, my dad was like, no, like, we don't want you to go work in a kitchen with, you know, be sweaty and men and da da da, all this stuff. 
So it was either don't do anything or go to college. So obviously, naturally, I chose going to college. And Mm -hmm. in college, I studied psychology and sociology. Um, And I kind of had made this like unofficial deal with my dad. Like after I go to college, like I want to go to culinary school. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I think he had this like dream that I would just like be like, oh, it was like a phase, right? That I would just phase out of it. And then I would just continue my schooling and become a psychologist or, you know, a doctor or something. And so I graduated college and obviously, you know, I was still been cooking and I was cooking for friends and that's how I got some of my boyfriends, you know, obviously. Um, And so everybody wanted to be your roommate. Exactly. Everybody. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. I was a good roommate. Because you'd wake up and I was like, oh, there's breakfast. And right, you know? really nice. Um, and I graduated college and I was like, I still want to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I still really want to do this. And I looked into going to culinary school and it was like 30 grand for a six month program wow. out in California. And I was like, shoot, that's like, I just spent that much money, you know, right. four years in college. What do you mean for a six month program? And obviously, you know, my dad was kind of just like, well, that's stupid. Why mm-hmm. don't we spend, you know, 30 grand on going to get, get your master's, your master's, uh, you know, and I was just like, no. So I talked to a couple of chefs that I knew in D.C. at the time, and they kind of were just like, here's the thing, like, get paid to learn. Don't mm-hmm. pay to learn. Right. Go right. find a job in a kitchen. Super easy for you to do and work your way up. And, you know, a lot of them told me what they got from culinary school was not, were knife skills. And at this point, you know. Almost eight years after I started cooking, I, my knife skills were pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, cool. So I went and I bought the textbooks that they give you at the school I wanted to go to. I mean, shoot, it's like five inches, you know, like that's how thick it is. And I was like, okay. And so I just started reading it page to page and taking notes and just like doing a cheaper version of culinary school, but just, you know, in my apartment um, with this textbook. Mm-hmm. And... I got it my first, like in college, I worked at Great Wraps, but again, not really intensive there. But that was like my first real kitchen job. And I started in DC at this restaurant called Parlay. And oddly enough, it was a Dallas Cowboys themed gastropub in DC. So not what you would expect there. So I started working there and it was six months. And at that point, my boyfriend at the time got a job promotion and moved to Nashville. And, you know, it was like, move, find a new boyfriend, move, find a new boyfriend. What's easier? Moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went ahead and I moved to Nashville in, I think, now 2014. And, but I had to start over, you know. So I kept looking for kitchen jobs, just any place that would hire me. And, it's, I mean, now, obviously, it would be so easy to go find any. Right. But five years ago, it was a little bit harder. And so I was able to land a job as a waitress. It was in Bellevue, another gastropub called Publicity. And I started as a waitress and I kind of expressed to the chef like, oh yeah, you know, I like to cook. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and so then it was like, okay, well, you know, you can wait tables and be a prep cook. Did you, did you already read that five inch book by them? For the most part, yeah. I mean, I like took that book and again, after I graduated, there was like, you know, I was working at at a restaurant, but only a couple days a week. And so I just like took that book and just broke it down, you know. Well, I find it interesting. One, do you look back at your dad and go, "You see all that money you wasted?" 
if you would have let me, if you would have just let me do what I was passionate about. And I mean, it's really interesting. Um, just you know, in interviewing entrepreneurs, and you know, one good interview I interviewed was Dan Miller, and mm-hmm. um, he talked about like um, you know, raise up a child in the way they're bent. Yeah. Not not so much like, hey, I'm gonna raise my child up this way, and then if they go crazy, they're gonna come back to it. It's like no, like know your kid. Like, mm-hmm. what are they passionate about? And and having three boys, like, you know, that's really like I was talking to somebody today about like sports, and Bryce is kind of like, hey, I want to try this or this, and you know, selfishly, I don't want to commit to a lot of stuff, but <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, there is that balance in going, all right, you know, as a parent, you're thinking. You're looking out for the best interests, and I'm of sure course. you know. Who knows? You could look back and go, "Well, if something didn't work out with this, I could always go and be a psychologist." Mm-hmm. I mean, but maybe not, because a lot of that's with the experience too. Um, so it's just it's just so interesting to like see you had that passion from 13 all the way, mm-hmm. and you're like, "I want to go to culinary." It's like, "Nope, I'm going to spend this amount of money in college. Uh-huh. You got to go get a degree." And then you still went your own route. Yeah, I haven't used my psych degree once. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, But I will say this, like, to work in kitchens, it does come in handy. Right, right, It does come in handy, you know. And I was thinking there's always something, because, you know, I don't know that, I really don't know that I pulled much out of college. You know, mine was a business (laughs) degree. Um, But it was meeting friends and experiences and, you know, a lot of fun stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's just an interesting thing, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, like just the note of like parents, like really like listen to your kids, like maybe don't go waste thirty, fifty thousand yeah. dollars, you know, mm-hmm. just Crazy. so they have this piece of paper. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I feel good sometimes. Like even in real estate, it's like I have my nice diploma in mm-hmm. the back, and it's got this and that, and and I always know because of my experience before I got into real estate, I could if if it died, and it's changing a lot. Like I always have something I can go back to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, kind of kind of interesting. All right, so if you were to prepare your masterpiece for a person or persons that had a huge impact in your life, who would the meal be prepared for? That's a tough question because there are so many people I feel like that have impacted, you know, my life and career. But I will say, in the past, like you know, again, I worked my way up, right? And so publicity was waitress prep cook, line cook, sous chef, and I, but I always felt like, you know, yeah, I was moving up, but it wasn't for necessarily because people were like, ooh, she's, it was because it was just another position they needed filled and I was willing to do it. Uh, It wasn't like, I feel like it wasn't until after publicity where I had, I left and I went and started working for salt and vine mm-hmm. um where like i really started to feel motivated and th- people like believed in me and they weren't giving me a position just because they needed it filled but it was because they literally thought i could do it and they're like we we believe in you we trust you and uh we want to see you shine and you know uh maddie selectman she's the owner was the owner of salt and vine and she was kind of the first person to just be like because, you know, she was the wine lady. She knew everything that there is to be a wine. She wasn't a chef or anything like that. I mean, I do trust her palate more than mm-hmm. most people. But, again, she was just like, you know. Gave she, you the freedom. You yeah. do you. You do you. Like, I, I'm i here to back you and support you 100%. And she was kind of the first person to let me do that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that just built my confidence. Mm-hmm. And, 
like I have tremendous respect for her and she's still till this day, you know, I'll be creating menus. I'll give her a call and say, what do you think about this? And she'll be like, well, what if you add, you know, pickled fennel to that? And I'm just like, are you sure you're not a chef? Mm. Um, so I would say, you know, I w- she has definitely been one of my biggest supporters mm-hmm. throughout everything um, and still continues mm-hmm. to. So yeah. probably her. A nice meal. Yeah. Which again, I, and, and uh, not to like call out anybody, but you still even go back to the fact that you had this passion. You did a lot of cooking. You wanted to do this because you had confidence that, hey, I can go to school and get this. Mm-hmm. But then you had to kind of put that on hold. And then you almost had to work your confidence back up. You know, like, yeah. what, what if you're supported throughout, you know? Where could and, I be now? Yeah, you yeah. know? I mean, no, totally. again, not to not to put that on anybody, but no. it's just a reality that, like, you know, sometimes, you know, we have a passion. It can be, you know, pushed. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, you don't even realize, like, why? Because maybe you could have had that conversation at publicity and been yeah. like, hey, I'm a chef. Let me cook, you know? <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. obviously you were respectful and hardworking enough to work your way up yeah no and i honestly do believe that everything happens for a reason Mm -hmm. and uh you know god has a plan for everything so i am grateful for for all those steps that i had to take to end up here because without them you don't know right you know right who you might not have met yeah, yeah exactly all right so a shout out yeah one of your favorite restaurants and favorite nonprofit, and why oh okay favorite restaurants right now oh that's hard because there's couple good ones i will say though like the green pheasant the chef there she is her name is jess she is a badass like uh she's the same chef as 210 jacks out in east nashville but i mean like when i went to the green pheasant like i went the first like one of the first weeks that they opened i think in one month Uh uh-huh uh i went five times okay like i love the green pheasant and they i'm not a big mushroom fan so like you know some mushrooms are okay but again i don't really go look at a menu and go oh, i'm gonna get the mushrooms and so i forget why we even order them you know or i think maybe like somebody sent them out or something because again naturally i wasn't gonna order mushrooms and i get this mushroom dish and i'm just like this is literally one of the best bites i've had like and i don't even like mushrooms and so, I mean, and I brought some friends to multiple times and we did a, one of my friends was visiting me from Atlanta and we did a Nashville food tour. We went like, you know, you go to all these random places and you get like one or two things and you move on mm-hmm. and you have to make sure you didn't eat the day before. And I think like the green pheasant was one of the last stops and the mushrooms, obviously, I was going to mm-hmm. have them try. And like out of everything that we've tried, you know, like meats and da 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 all this stuff, they're like... This is our favorite thing. And I go, dude, me too. Yeah. Um, so Green Pheasant, shout out. Just go there. It's so good. Get the mushrooms. Okay. How about nonprofit? Nonprofit. Um, so actually, wait, it's a podcast, so you can't see my shirt. But right. right now I'm wearing a Nashville shirt. And uh, so Nashville is an organization that gives back to widows, trafficked women, and orphans. And it's faith-based. Um, right out here in Nashville, and it kind of supports females, all you know, all mm-hmm. kinds, um, to kind of just bring them to their higher self and like who they're meant to be. Right. And so they do that because you know you are a walking billboard, mm-hmm. and so they do that by making T-shirts or hats or bandanas and stuff like that, and people buy them, and then you go wear a T-shirt, and someone goes, oh hey, 
where do you get that? And then that opens up the conversation right. and tell them about what they're doing and who they're supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, you know, super close to me because as a female mm-hmm. who is trying to kind of do her own thing and get out there, like, you need as much support as you can. And mm-hmm. it's so just nice to have that team of, you know, bunch of other girls just being there and being like, hey, we're rooting for you. We want right. to see you, like grow we want to help and all that stuff and so to help people that have you know have been trafficked or just lost uh their husbands and stuff like that like those are vulnerable people and they need the support of of everybody you know Mm -hmm. um and so it's just nice to see like badass ladies Mm -hmm. just teaming up together to help other badass ladies you know it's nice cool all right. So Nashville, check them out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So what does the process look like when you are creating something new? So when that brain's going in the morning, like, you know. Oh, man, like, that process is a messy one. Like, the thing is, like, I'll get a lot of my ideas by just reading a lot. Okay. Doing a lot of research. Like, I love Middle Eastern flavors. I love seafood. And again, it always depends on who you're cooking for, right? If they want a Middle Eastern menu, then obviously that's where my head goes. If they want something that's more influenced Japanese culture, again, different kind of thought process there. But I guess I always try to, you know, when I'm creating a menu or a dish, I'm always trying to think, what do do I want to eat? What's going to be good? What is going to be like, hmm, I have never had this before. Because, like, I hate, you know, if you go to a restaurant and then you you order something then you go to another restaurant and it's like oh i had the very similar dish right at this other place yeah uh uh-huh um it's not fun for me Mm -hmm. you know and so i guess the biggest thing is i'm always trying to do something that has not already been done or that is uniquely just me for example i just they just aired my episode on chopped Mm -hmm. and in one of the rounds i i fry some salt and all the judges are like, what are you doing, lady? You're frying salt. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, they were everybody was so confused by that. But if you take Maldon salt and you mix it with some sort of liquid a little bit and some confectionate sugar and it makes like this clump, you drop it in the fryer and it comes out like this kind of golden looking brick and you just break it up. And it's like this sugary, mm. sweet, salty kind of crunch to it. Yeah. You know? How did I come up with that? Messing around, you know? Uh, we used to play this game at Salt and Vine. It was like, well, what happens if you put it in the fryer? So oh. we, sometimes we would just put things in the fryer, see what happens. It's a fun game. Play it at home right. if you have a fryer. So that's one of my big, just trying, what's something that I'm going to enjoy eating? Yeah. And then be that you can't get somewhere else. Because when you go out to eat or when you're having a meal, it has to be more than just fuel. I think it has to be an experience. Right. Right. And I really, I love the experience part. And I want everybody who has my food to leave that having an experience mm-hmm. and not just any other meal. So is there a, is there like a, um, a, not really a book, but like you just know, okay, this does not go with this. And this really pairs well with this. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like, so, a, like yeah. a fashion person. This color does not. That's hideous uh-huh. like that. Well, there's this book right now called uh, The Flavor Matrix. Mm. And it kind of like, it gets a little geeky with the scientific compounds and stuff. But what it does, it's like, it has like all these various ingredients and each ingredient has a wheel that kind of like 
branches out to if you want something fruity to pair with this, you'd use this. Da, da, da. Hmm, but a lot okay. of their pairings are made like unexpected pairings that you would never think of because they're based on the similar chemical compounds okay. that the ingredient has. So like there are sometimes I'm reading that book and I'm just like, I would have never thought to put this in this and together. And what is that? What's that book again? The Flavor Matrix. Okay. Yeah. That's um, cool. And then you try it and you're like, well, this is good. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is, I would have never thought about that. So the Flavor Matrix is definitely one of the best tools that I use. Cool. All right. So, um, do you eventually perfect a dish and leave it as it is, or is there a constant tweaking here and there? Always tweaking. I mean, very rarely is every is something just always you know perfect because you just grow and you see so much, and then you know I can go out to eat at one person's restaurant and be like, oh well, wait, that would actually really be nice here, and so um, always tasting, always adjusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a I cook some homemade ice cream my memo's recipe Mm -hmm. and um and i'll read it pinch of salt and sometimes when i would try to make i don't know it was cookies or something and she could never give me exact measurements Mm -hmm. i'm like how am i supposed to know well just taste it i'm like yeah i don't work that way you need to tell me exactly you know and uh, and then it was funny i had sent um a friend of mine they had it at our life group and they all they all loved it and um and i cook it you know very close to how it says and so a buddy who he loves to cook and I sent it to him. And so I was going to give him, cause it's like you put some flour in it, which then it'll clump up. So I like, I figured out a way to make sure it gets all mixed in there. Uh-huh. And so he's like, I was going to give him a tip. And he's like, well, no, no, I actually looked at like five recipes and I'm kind of, I'm actually going to do banana pudding with this and that. Part of me is like, well, forget you. Like, <laughs> you think you're so good. You can modify all the, but that's part of experiencing, right? I mean, that's what you yeah, would do, right? Yeah, no, totally. Oh, it's funny. Um, but it's it was really good. My mamma. Oh, oh, I bet. She could cook anything. And I actually, I realized that like even my mom, she'll, she cooks, um, she always cooks stuff when we're going there. She she made some uh, chocolate chip cookies, and I probably ate like three dozen mm-hmm. over three days. And um, I realized, I'm like, you know, I said, my mom, I guess it's kind of like her mom. They show love through cooking. Yeah. You know? Totally. And then mm-hmm. she's always in the kitchen cleaning. It's like, God, let somebody else do that. <laughs> um, so you're always tweaking a little bit. Um, so where do you get your food inspiration from? And uh, what kind of foods, like, do you eat? Like, you know, it's like country musicians you know i had interviewed ashley gorley and he's i think 41 number ones mm-hmm. now and we'd play cards and all he would listen we always listened to was old school hip-hop and r&b so is it kind of like that as a chef you know like is there a certain you cook but then like at home you're you know eating something that you don't cook because you're tired of you know what i mean yeah no i totally get it and so that's funny you say that because a lot of the time like when I'm cooking for friends or something like that, they're like, oh, are you not going to really eat? Like, and I have like a little bit, but like, I just cooked that meal. I just tasted it multiple times. Like, I already know what it tastes like, you know? But funny thing about chefs is that like, a lot of people think like we eat like the best food in the world all the time. A lot of times I'm coming home and I'm having, you know, tuna packets in the Slim Jim mm-hmm. for dinner. So I'm not really uh, thinking about, I'm going to cook myself this fancy meal. We, we don't really cook for ourselves. Like, mm, at right. least for me, like, I get joy for cooking for other people. Right. And I'm going to go all out. But for, for me, you know, I'm just going to put something in the microwave or 
get Hue babies or something, right. you know, and just right. do that. But, you know, on the rare occasions that I am cooking for myself, I love seafood. So that's always something, you know, some nice scallops or yeah. some crab legs or something like that. Yeah. I could, let me tell you something. You, again, I'm a dainty eater, unfortunately. Like, I just get, like, full fast and stuff. But you put a plate of, like, raw oysters or seafood in front of me. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm done. You I think we did up. a little contest uh, not too long ago, and it was like, how many oysters can you eat in 60 seconds? And I think I did like 52 or something like that. Just really, is that the ones you just those you just slide them down your mouth like? Yeah, but I was smart and I just did it wasn't sliding. I was just grabbing, grabbing and go. You know. I remember the first yeah. time I think I had oysters. It was like, this is like a a, a loogie. Uh huh. You know. So um, people don't like to hear this because a lot of people just take oysters and shoot them back. Yeah. But I did this like oyster class and the chef said, if you chew the oyster, you actually get, because a lot of oysters you see on the menus, they'll be like, ooh, tastes like cantaloupe, you know? And you're like, mm, no, it doesn't. I don't ever taste it. Yeah. Right? But if you chew the oyster, it releases the flavors, uh, okay. which again, not many people want to chew something that which is, is kind of what's the, like a loogie which is what's the point of eating oyster then really right if you're not actually <laughs> exactly getting a tasting taste out of yeah it. totally yeah we had some in uh somewhere in florida and they were really good yeah mm -hmm. yeah um all right so let's talk about the recent experience on the food network yeah how'd it go because i haven't watched it yet Ugh. um well i did i did read a result uh -huh. i think but like just overall how was it so we, I filmed that last April. So it took a little over a year for it to actually air. But dude, that experience was just like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was just so, it was long. It was mm -hmm. 17 hours of filming. And then, you know, it's just for the 41 minute episode. You're like, why um, did you cut all that? Yeah. <laughs> but it was just, I mean, it was in New York. So we took a little trip to New York and I mean, you start at the crack of dawn, like 545, they tell you, oh, meet us here at this like sketchy McDonald's mm -hmm. and then they walk you over to the studio. And I mean, like, you know, obviously there's a lot of TV shows out there that are like, mm, you know, but I'm telling you, Chopped, you get 20 minutes, 20 minutes is 20 minutes, 30 minutes is 30 minutes. There's no like, oh, no, if this isn't in on time, it's OK. Like, it's for real. And so mm. the experience was awesome. I mean. Obviously, it was like long and tiring, but I mean, you don't even know, until like I didn't feel tired until like I finally got to so my hotel. So you got there at five in the morning, like and five thirty hours of yeah, okay, uh -huh. it's all yeah. one day. Mm -hmm. Wow! And so I didn't even feel that I was so tired though until like I was done, and I got to my hotel room and I realized that I didn't have my hotel key, and my friend who came with me had had both of them, and she was not here, and so I couldn't go into the hotel room until she got back and so i was angrily sitting at the bar you can go back down and get a key from the front desk they wouldn't give it to me really? because it was not my name uh, i didn't have my like id yeah i was like okay name. people so like that was i guess when i realized that i was really tired was when i was sitting at the bar having a crappy burger being like i want to go home and shower right. um but before that it was i mean the adrenaline was was just so there and it was just i mean it was a cheese themed episode mm -hmm. so like obviously like you know you when you go into these competitions you're like okay well i'm i can definitely do this i can definitely do this let me tell you something when they throw a bunch of cheese in the basket ingredients you're all all the ideas that i had just went straight out the window and i was just like 
well, what am I going to do now? Um, and so I, I made it through all three rounds, which was awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, and then fell a little short. Well, I didn't, so I guess my appetizer round, spoiler alert, had too much red onions. Okay. Again, I'm Middle Eastern, so like. Well, and I saw that on your Facebook page. Yeah. So yeah, just that little clip. Uh huh. So we used to have like just sliced onions at the, you know at the table, and you just grab it and eat it. So like I like red onions. Right. Um, but you know I did put a little bit too much, and so it overpowered the dish. So that was I would say my biggest flaw. Um, also something that Maddie will not let me live down because she doesn't like red onions. And she, I was like, you almost put too much. And I'm always like, you don't know what you're talking about. Ah, that is hilarious. And then essentially that's what got me chopped. And so now I have to live with that. Oh, man. Uh-huh. But, um, you See know. See that one of the, the people you look up to, always she listen gave to, you the wisdom. Just always listen to did. her. That's what I've always realized. Just, <laughs> just listen to Maddie. Um, and so then for the entree round, they gave me ants. And like, I hate bugs if a bug were to fly in here even if it was the tiniest fly i would feel uncomfortable i don't like bugs i feel like they have such an advantage they can fly you know mm, yeah so they it was like dried ants mixed with basil or some sort and like honestly now that i look back at it it didn't taste like anything like they're so tiny it doesn't taste. but mentally like i was like yeah. no 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 and so i mean when you do finally get a chance to watch yeah. Chop, you're going to see my facial expression there. And a couple of my friends sent me a little stills being like, hmm. <laughs> and like my face, I just look, I'm like disgusted. I'm like these, like, because they look like little I mean, dried I've up ants. I mean, I've been killing ants for the last two days in our house. I don't think I want to cook. Hey, let's just hey, put them in a yeah. spoon and cook uh -huh. them. And so, and mix it in with some cheese, you know, that's great. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, it was that's, not. Is that normal? Like, do ants? people eat ants that much? I mean, no. The first time I had one was just on chop. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, huh. But yeah, so that was probably the. Were they fire ants or wood carpenter ants? Or Honestly, I don't know all <laughs> little, the, I don't know the different tiny types of black ants. ants. They were just like little <laughs> crunchy little ants because they were dried and they were mixed in with so dried basil. Yeah, uh huh. It was not fun. So that was definitely the most <laughs> absurd ingredient that they gave us. Um, and then. So, you know, obviously the ants didn't trip me up that much because right. I made it to the next round. And then for the dessert round, the worst ingredient that I thought in the basket, or the most difficult one to use, right, right was uh, this grilled cheese mac and cheese tower. So that's like grilled cheese sandwiches with mac and cheese then piled on top with another grilled cheese sandwich with some more mac and cheese, da da da, da all like, you know, until it makes a tower. And so I'm just like, and then they gave me like another block of cheese <laughs> and an apple. That's like, how much cheese can you yeah, get? Yeah, and apples and then caramel. And like part of my dessert plan was like, I can make a caramel out of anything. But so that's they, for dessert? Or yeah, uh-huh. And so then With they, the mac and cheese and yes, cheese? Yes, mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. And I'm thinking, well, shoot, like I was going to make a caramel and now one of the basket ingredients is a caramel. I can't make a caramel anymore. So like, again... All my planning that I thought I had right out the window. Okay, so this this cheese and mac and cheese and sandwich yeah. with the caramel that was that was a dessert. That was supposed to be a, it, like those were two separate ingredients for the dessert round. Okay. So I was supposed to figure out how to incorporate all of these ingredients and make a dessert. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh huh. Real interesting, especially with the mac and cheese tower. I'm like, what yeah. am I supposed to do with this exactly? So I ended up making this apple and alpine. It was an alpine cheese block that they gave me uh, tart. So I like took the alpine 
and I shaved or I grated the um, the alpine into I made some fresh pie cr pie dough and I grated that in there because like with pie dough normally you add like a little bit of salt to enhance mm -hmm. the flavors. I figured yeah this is kind of salty whatever it'll melt well good. So I did that and then I took the apples and I'm, I put some whiskey in there because that's just gonna help you everything. Like I like whiskey. Yeah. It's gonna help. And I took the the breading from the grilled cheeses. I said no to the mac and cheese. I can't do anything with this. I took the breading and I pulsed it with some pecans and I kind of just folded it into the apple filling to make this like whiskey maple -y. and it needed texture, right? Because the dough's soft. Mm -hmm. The apples are going to be soft after you cook them. So it, the toasted breadcrumbs and the pecans kind of added that texture to it and I like baked, baked it off and I remember having so much anxiety because I'm like, what you know the judges were like are you is that gonna bacon time is that gonna bacon time and i'm like you know i've made pie crust like literally five thousand times like i know the timing i know but when you're on chop you're like today's the day where i'm gonna mess it up you right. know um and so Al alex garnicelli one of the judges she actually yelled at me and said stop opening up your oven and i was just like Okay, like, how about you come? And t so let's switch roles here, lady. <laughs> right. um, and so, so I, like, had too much, like, some time left over. So I was like, I need more texture. And so I took some of the grated apple and to grate it, just kind of get, like, a juice, juicy liquid from it. And I mixed it with confectionate salt or confectionate sugar and Malden salt. So you get this clump and I just fried it. Mm -hmm. And it looks like this gold... Again, this gold brick thing, and I just kind of chopped it on top, and everybody was so confused on, on what I was doing, but uh, it worked. And, you know, I, I got chopped because of my red onions, and yes, I, I don't know that I'll use them really, you know, anytime <laughs> soon right now, but, like, at the end of it, like, they, you know, one of the judges said, like, I was still a winner because right. of my, So, like... I mean, I mean, and I did stuff that I never thought. And hey, you know what? I will say this. They called me the fastest person on Chopped. So to me, I, I'm not a runner. So that was that was a compliment yeah. within itself, to be honest with you. Um, but it was just, as cr I mean, one of the What was the best, biggest takeaway? Uh, I mean, honestly, it just made me feel more confident. Mm -hmm. uh, just like, I was so fired up afterwards. And I was like, that. and I mean, yeah, you know, I think... And this is what I think, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. And, like, I think I didn't win because now I can just go on Chop Redemption, mm -hmm. you know? And I think if you win Chop Redemption, it's, like, double the prize oh, money. Oh, really? Okay. So I'm just saying, I think... So when you uh, when you got back to Nashville, did mm -hmm. you go buy, like, a big bag of red onions and just smash them up with the with sledgehammer or something? You know, I should have done that. I should have done that. <laughs> it would have made you feel good, right? Ah, well, that's cool. Um, all right, so share a struggle you have had along your journey. What oh. effect did it have on your life, and how did you come out a better person? So honestly, one of the str struggles that I've had in this industry has just been like, you know, I'm a female chef, um, Syrian background, and I'm about, you know, if I stand up super straight, I'm about 5'1", and so I'm not what your stereotypical chef mm. looks like. And a lot of the struggle I've had to face has just been like trying to prove myself to people. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have my culinary degree. Mm. I uh, haven't worked under Michelin star chefs and all that stuff that people on paper, you know, right. want you to have. And so I've always felt like I've had to work harder to prove myself. And even when I do do that, you know, 
there've been situations where I've been so belittled and told like, oh, like you're not doing this right, or you didn't go to culinary school, so like, what do you, you know? And I'm just Are like, you like, Dad. You know, I'm. Ta- I let me tell you something. Sometimes I'm like, Dad, if I had just gone to culinary school, you have no idea where I would be right now. You know, um, and then you go back to no. Remember, it's about the experiences. Everything happens for a reason. Exactly. Right. Who knows that I would have ended up yeah. in Nashville? Right. You know. Right. Um, yeah. So everything happens for a reason. And I'm totally okay with that. Right. But I would say like the biggest struggle I've had has been like trying to prove myself and show people that I am where I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. uh, with or without a culinary degree. Right. Like, obviously, it's great to have have that backing but like your passion is what drives you and i've uh, you right. know i've seen people that have gone to culinary school and still can't figure out how to make a salad on the line so right you know um but what that's kind of taught me honestly and kind of helped me with was like standing up for myself finding mm-hmm. my voice like not just taking it and if somebody's just trying to belittle me for no reason like Mm, like you know maybe at first like i was kind of timid and kind of didn't have the confidence and wasn't where you know i needed to be to be able to say oh no you know but in the past year year and a half like i've really found my voice and i have found like my style of cooking and what i want to cook and all that stuff and i've made some bold decisions i mean i've i hate to say it because i'm normally a very loyal person and stuff but i mean in the past year i've you know quit three three or four different jobs just because i'm like this is not for me this is not what i want to do this is not how i want to be treated um and i did not have that (sighs) did not have that confidence before and would not have had it if i didn't have to like fight you know right right yeah yeah it's funny when you talk about belittle and stuff i uh i'm just talking to bryce he's going to middle school and you know that obviously it changes a bit and it's funny just the thought of thinking about and he hasn't been he's he's pretty friendly people mm-hmm. like him but you never know and i was like yeah i said so if you ever get bullied just uh when they're bullying you just ask them why are you doing that like what are you trying to you know what i mean mm-hmm. like instead of like giving in or cowarding down it's like asking them you know when they say something like why are you saying that you know yeah you totally know? you got to wonder how much how many times like even in your role and mm-hmm. going like when people are acting like that it's like why are you why are you treating me like that to make them think you're look how you're treating me exactly you know yeah um, and at the end of the day i do think like some of that is just like their insecurities right right so then they project it yeah. on you and then you're just like dude what did i do to you mm-hmm. why are you so upset you know um so yeah yeah uh, well, good. Keep on overcoming. Yeah, there you go. All right. So uh, when things don't go how you expect, what do you do to push through those moments? Uh, well, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, I and I wasn't always like this, but in the past year, I've really grown and kind of changed as a person, I think, for the better. Um, but I do... I. Honestly, this is going to sound silly to some, but, like, I pray about it. Mm -hmm. You know, if something does not go my way or if I thought that I was supposed to do this and it didn't end up, like, again, strong believer that, like, everything happens the way it should be. And, like, you sometimes will not understand Mm -hmm. why that had to happen. Um, Maybe right there in that moment. Right. Maybe not ever. But, like, I am a strong believer that, like, everything that i endure good bad anything like that like it's just kind of shaping me into the person i'm going to mm-hmm. become so you know i try to just f- 
focus myself on the now because I can't think about the past. I can't change it. I can't think about the future because I have no idea what it holds. So just like, okay, this didn't go my way. Pray, not necessarily pray to, to, to change, but like for understanding. Right. And then just go back at it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, honestly, also like in those like moments where things don't go my way and I've had to like adapt and adjust right then and there, those have been one of the, some of the most proudest moments that mm-hmm. I've had, you know, mm-hmm. where I'm like, well, shoot, I don't have no idea how I just did this. But this is great. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, I yeah. Like it. All right. So as with many things in life, there are so many choices. How do you keep this choice? And this is kind of to food. How do you keep the choices narrowed down as to not overwhelm yourself and lose mm-hmm. focus on what's important? So I guess kind of they could be life in general, but even food, you know, yeah. with like all these options. Like, how do you know what to stay focused on or in life, you know? Yeah. Well, when it comes to food, you know, obviously, like you said, there's so many different options, so many different routes you could take. I try to just kind of stay true to myself. Like sometimes you can do too much to a dish. Like, oh, I'm going to add this sauce and this sauce and this sauce. Okay. Well now what am I eating? And like, Mm -hmm. what's the star of the dish? Is, Is it mass? Is it still there? And so I think like honing in on like, what, what flavors do you want to come out here? And it just, you know, hang on. if you like, it drives me nuts. Like, okay, for example, if you have a really good steak and you put steak sauce on it, yeah. why did you just do that? You just <laughs> right. ruined the steak. I swear if I ever cook I've you a steak done that. Yeah. and you put steak sauce on it, I'm not going to cook you a steak the next time because you just, because if I'm making you a steak, I'm focusing now, on the steak. So if you're at a restaurant and you cook a steak and you see somebody do that, do you actually go take the steak away? I mean. If they use sauce? I will say, you know, honestly, like if I if I own the restaurant, I feel like I would. I would be like, excuse me, no, you know, what are you doing here? But so when it comes to food, I just think, you know, picking and choosing what what needs to be on the plate, and like you don't need sometimes like all this frou frou stuff that goes on it, right? Um, because it takes away from it. Mm-hmm. In life, I so you know, obviously being a chef and had I you know, in the, since for five years I've been just in the restaurant, you know, life. And that takes up a lot of time, mm-hmm. you know, 60, 70, sometimes 80 hour work weeks. Wow. And you, and you know, this is something I've recently learned is like, life is short. You don't know that you have tomorrow promise. You don't know that you're, you know, I always will be like, I used to be like, oh yeah, you know, any year from now, this is all do. So it's okay if I do all that. But you don't know that you're gonna have that year. Mm-hmm. You don't know that you're gonna have the next two hours of your, you know, of yep. your life. So for me right now is like that work-life balance is super important. So when I'm making decisions on what I want, you know, what my week's going to look like, or am I going to take this client on, or am I going to do this dinner? Am I going to do this event? If it's going to end up pulling me away from something that like, you know, recently, a couple Fridays ago, one of my friends had an engagement party. For most people, you only get engaged once. Uh, And if I had planned and if I had booked all this stuff, then I couldn't have been mm-hmm. there with her for her special time. And those are the things that are important, I think, in right, life. Like, obviously, right. I care about my career. I'm, you know, I'm one of those people who are like, if I care about what I'm doing, like, I'm always there, right. always want to be there, da, 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 and I give it my all. But, like, having that work-life balance has been so important for me. Yeah. You got to give yourself space and yeah. margin for those And just, like, moments. think about what is important, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because you can always go back to a restaurant. Right. But you can't go back to memories that have already happened or have mm. been shared. And so I'm really trying to been having that work-life balance has been so key. Yeah, yeah. I'm still 
working on just with the kids growing up and mm -hmm. Hudson's four and I'm like, can you just stay this size? You're so, yeah. you know, <laughs> but it's taking advantage of making them a priority. You know, like I, I've been over the last probably two or three months of just realizing like, even though I'm like, like crazy busy, but sometimes you could like just have crazy thoughts and going in your brain mm -hmm. all the time and, you know, doing stuff that, you know, is keeping you busy, but you're actually not moving forward a lot. And so, uh, recently realizing, like, I, I just need to clear some space, you know, the noise, you know, mm -hmm. I've been in mastermind groups and stuff like that. And recently I'm like, you know, let's just take a break. Like, I think enough for myself. I don't need other other thoughts thrown in there. Exactly. Now, you know, and uh, it is a lot more relaxing, you mm -hmm. know, um, because I'm sure just like with you, there's some, there's there's nonstop of what we could be doing, you know. Oh, yeah. Totally. From a entrepreneur slash freelancer or whatever, uh -huh. you know, people. And it's even that's like when you stop the physical work, then all that's where all the mental right, work comes yeah. in. Like, ooh, that's but what, this, and I got to email this, and I got to do this, and I got to prep this, and da, da, da. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm supposed to be relaxing right now, right. but your mind is not shut right. off. And it's just like trying to find that reset button. For me, yep. right now is like Sundays. I don't, I don't, that's a big thing for me. I don't really try to work on Sundays. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, especially if it's a special occasion or something, but mm -hmm. like Sundays, I go to church, I reset my mind. I focus on just like taking care of me because if I'm not if I'm not okay then I can't do anything for anybody right, else. Right. You know? And You're so you're gonna be present with everybody, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's key. All right. So how do you hope you're making an impact on others around you? I guess I just, you know, if I look if you know, when I'm eighty, ninety, whatever, if I look back at it and I like just made like if I just gave the confidence to one one person, um, to like just stick with what they're doing no matter how hard it gets or no matter how many setbacks they face or mm -hmm. whatever like you just stay true to what you want to do and your passion and who you are even though sometimes society tells you not to or it's not the path your parents wanted you or whatever like if i am able to help one other person achieve that then i'm good mm -hmm. then i'm good because literally like for me that's I could have gone so many different paths mm -hmm. and I could have been discouraged so many different times. And I mean, I have like, honestly, I think a lot of it was my faith that helped me kind of get through right. through everything. But I mean, it's hard, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard. And sometimes you can go a path that's going to be easier and you're going to make more money or whatever. And they're going to get you there faster, but like, you're going to have to compromise your values and integrity. Mm -hmm. And that's just something I refuse to compromise. And so, right. you know, I will say there's a difference between having success and greatness. Um, and you can achieve success, but not necessarily while do being, you know, achieving greatness. But I feel like if you achieve greatness, then success will follow with that. And just staying true to who I am and what I believe in and how I want to be treated. I mean, again, it might be the harder path, but I'm going to be able to look at myself in the mirror every day mm -hmm. and be like, yeah, I got here doing it the right way. Right, right. And I think a lot of it, too, is with greatness and success, like how do you define those? Mm -hmm. You know, because um, we can success might mean this to somebody else or it can mean a ton of money over here. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, like I, I know somebody that just quit a, uh, a mastermind and and the person leading it said, um, you know, you'll never be rich or whatever. And, you know, it's like even with rich, what does rich mean? Mm -hmm. Is it a monetary thing? And, you know, and yet he's at, he's at peace. He's like, if I had another month like I did this year, he's like, I'm totally fine. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't, because we can always be working more. Mm -hmm. you know? 
So anyways. Totally. Um, all right, so looking over the last decade, is there anything um, you would have done different or sooner? Well, obviously sooner if I could have gone to culinary school. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I go back to this. Like, there are a lot of things, I guess, that you try. Sometimes, you know, you look back and oh, if I did this, if I did that. But, like, I am so a, such a strong believer in, like, if everything in my life that had happened thus far did not happen, I have, I don't think that I would be where I am, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I'm honestly grateful. Like, again, I would have never, in, from D.C., never been like, oh, yeah, I'm going to move to Nashville. Mm-hmm. That's going to, you know, especially five years ago. But it was all those little things that were placed in my life that made me make those decisions. And now I'm here and I'm honestly the happiest I've ever been. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for everything that happened, good and bad. Yeah, and that's what I love. I, I liked how um, actually Michael DiGiorno said it. He's like, people, just talking about people, but it could be situations in general. But um, he he said people are in your life for a reason, a season, a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It, even think about this, I would have never thought, oh, yeah, one day I'll rehab this vintage camper and do this podcast thing and do something, you know. Yeah. Um, and even the group that kind of spurred some of the thoughts on, like, I'm not a part of that anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was for the season, you know. So there are so many things in our life that it could be tough. It could be good. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that balance of being in the now, mm-hmm. kind of looking towards the future, setting maybe goals and stuff, but also not camping out in the in the what if either, you know, exactly. finding that balance. Yeah. So, All right, so from the great words of Paul in Timothy 4, 7, I've fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I've kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? You kind of alluded to this earlier, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I, at the if when all is said and done, I've just not necessarily changed the world or anything, but just like kind of made somebody the play a place or anything just a little bit better mm-hmm. by my struggles by my experiences that's i'm gonna be happy i mean mm-hmm. obviously if you know if i win a michelin star here or there awesome great um but again i i just i'm not really so much about like you know the, the physical stuff that you can mm-hmm. get right. um by succeeding in life but more so about the stuff that comes after that, like mm-hmm. the friendships, the relationships, how to treat people, how to treat employees, all that stuff. But you know what, now that I think about it, if I can change the way that the restaurant industry, you know, is run and how people are treated, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Just because I've worked for some people that not so good and then I've seen how much impact you can have on people um, when you do treat them. Right. Isn't it, yeah, isn't it it's crazy? Cr- the difference is night and day. I mean, it's I mean, just crazy that, you know, people w- choose to, and I could, I mean, as I say that, I think, you know, in real estate, I'm always like r- being respectful, mm-hmm. not only to, you know, obviously my clients, but the agents I work with, because you're trying to work a deal out. Um, but then as I say that, I'm like, yeah, that's the, remember you're married to like that applies to all aspects uh-huh. of yeah. life, you know? And, uh, so as you were talking about that, you know, uh, just leaving a, a mark and, you know, really being loving to mm-hmm. others and, and showing that in the industry and encouraging, uh-huh. you know, it makes me think of Bob golf, you know? Yeah. And then it also makes me think of his restaurant, um, experience. You remember that one in love does? Oh, yeah, uh-huh. When he re- does the reach. Yeah, no, I love Bob Goff. He is so you remember awesome. that when he let, a, he let a rip? 
in that Mexican restaurant? He loved... Did you read Love Does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you remember when he was a waiter and he finally got his... his um, He got to where he had a suit and he was serving. Uh-huh. And he reaches to hand a meal and he lets one rip because he had eaten Mexican. Today. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a while since I read it, but uh, I mean... When I, mean, I read that, I laughed so hard. Like, he's... The, like, I love Bogdanov because, yeah. like, he wrote, like... Yeah, it's sometimes people really piss you off. You yeah. Know? Or like today, you know, my Uber driver took a wrong turn and now it's like 17 minutes delayed. And I'm like sitting there being like, I'm so mad at you right now, you know, but I'm just like, she's a person. And she could have okay, been like, get your mistakes. own car and drive yourself. You know what I mean? Right? So I was just like, I was like, it's totally fine. It's okay. Like, again, in the grand scheme of things, what's 17 minutes, you know? Um, but yeah, just that if I if the restaurant industry could just be more loving, more right. compassionate, more encouraging, then I think honestly the food's gonna taste better that mm-hmm. way, you know? Yeah. Because if you have somebody working for you that doesn't care. And here's the cool thing, is it can start with one person. Because mm-hmm. again, going back to one person, Bob, look at the impact one person can have. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, totally. Obviously, it starts with you, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, cool. Well, that's all the questions. So now we have a real quick uh, round. The Nashville, yeah. not around, but the Nashville mm-hmm. real estate minute. Okay. So how long have you lived in Nashville? I'll answer five years. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, what made you choose Nashville? Can answer that one, but go uh, ahead. Boyfriend at the time, mm-hmm. job promotion. Yep. Easier to move, but single now. So anybody. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Say it's a good thing that um, uh, the whole your boyfriend, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, your ex. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Why you moved here? You know, I wouldn't. You wouldn't be sitting here. Exactly. If, if that exactly. Had happened, so I thanks knew. to him. There you yeah. go. Um, what community did you land in, and why did you choose that location? Um, so right now in Green Hills, mm-hmm. and so I have a lot of friends that live here. It's you can. It's very convenient where mm-hmm. I live. You can walk to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or the mall, and I'm all about comfort and convenience. So yes, cool. yeah, all Hillsboro. Right. Not so yeah. comfortable or convenient, though. I will say. Yeah, that that drive back out this way is a little rough. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I was driving down Armory Road. Yeah. And just the amount of new construction, like. Just boom. I mean. I mean, where I live right homes. now, like six months ago, it didn't even exist. You know, I don't it's think crazy. so. Crazy. All right, so tell me a great memory that you often share about Nashville. Oh, there's so many good memories. I mean, I will say this: like my first time out on Broadway. Like my first Broadway experience, I mean, again, grew up in D.C., was around, but it was different. Mm-hmm. Like people were super are nicer, you mm-hmm. know, uh, but it was just fun. And it was like the live music is something that obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I was not used to as much. And just the hospitality and all the cool like rooftop bars. Yeah, and, like, that... Each place you go to is so vastly different, but yes. it's all on the strip. And like you can be out on Broadway in the middle of the night, but it has so many lights that you just, you, you don't notice. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I just did a podcast interview with a, a photographer, Devin Williams, and he talked about a lot of times he'll wake up five o'clock in the morning and go downtown. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you get a different view of it. And I was like, I'm gonna do that one day, you know, because everybody's gone. Yeah, and it hasn't started, and you kind of just get this different feel of Nashville, mm-hmm. you know, like quietness. So, uh, all right. So, what would you look for in a good real estate agent? Um, somebody that's gonna get me the best bang for my buck. 
Hmm, I guess. Interesting. You might want to move outside of Nashville. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I just told you, I lost a deal that was 17 offers. Yeah. And we were 15K over list price. Oh, wow. And no closing costs. No, I know. it's Nashville's booming right now. It's yes. Definitely booming. But I mean, let me tell you something. I've, uh, you know, driving by Green Hills, I've seen some houses. And I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, if I could only live oh, there. If I could only live there. Yeah. Here. Like with yeah. a nice kitchen island, you know, open oh, space. Yeah. Oh, my God. So that would be your criteria. I need a really nice kitchen. The best, yeah, uh-huh. With a massive island. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When uh, I would talk about, you know, buying houses and stuff, or sometimes with my ex and stuff, I was like, I don't care. I don't care what the place looks like. I don't care. I just need the best kitchen possible. Like, right. double oven, wide kitchen space, island, well, just like everything, you know? Gas. Like, gas. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No electric. All right, so what advice would you give to someone looking to move to Nashville? Move here quick before the prices go up. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, oh, you know what? This is something that I didn't. So coming from D.C., I walked everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't have a car. I didn't even start driving until I moved to Nashville. So I would say, like, make sure you have a car that gets good gas mileage because you'll be driving a lot. Because, again, mm, Nashville, yeah. I like Nashville because it's a little bit of city, a little bit of country. But, like, there are not a lot of areas where you can just walk to, mm. you know, all the time. Um, so, but you know, in five or ten years, maybe twenty or thirty, we'll have the transit figured out, right? Oh, you know, who knows? Yeah, you never know. Hopefully, it's like you know, let's work really hard. We get this vote, and then you know, of course, she uh-huh. goes and does her thing, and then, mm-hmm. and then it, it, it doesn't go anywhere, yeah, right? I know. And yeah. then now they're saying it'll be four more years before they even bring it back. Up I mean, for a vote. that's like, crazy because there's so is. many people moving here now, and like I'm even you know with the building I live in, it's not even fully occupied yet, and I'm like, okay, well. All these people are probably going to have cars. Mm-hmm. So, wh- I, I mean, know. it's already congested. Where are these cars going to go when they move in, you yeah. know? And the building is full occupancy. Yeah. So We're going to start being like China and limit how many people can have cars and yeah. make the criteria, or, you know? We're going to see more people on the scooters, which I don't really like because I think it's dangerous. Yeah, somebody died recently, right? Uh-huh, yeah. <clears throat> all right, well, that's all I got. So, um, what's next for you? Like, so, food-wise, what are you... So right now I'm just doing this like private chef stuff. I'm looking for clients, all all that stuff. Now, who's to say that, you know, I have a couple things in the works. Mm -hmm. So who's to say that maybe a year or so from now, I won't have another uh, restaurant I'll be cooking at daily. But cool. just taking it day by day, man. All right. So if somebody wants a private event or something, then you will, will... yeah, Chef that, uh, yeah, exactly. That, Meal prep, catering, okay. uh, just private dinners. You just, you know, find find me on Instagram or okay. shoot me an email or whatever, and then we'll work from there. Cool. All right. Yeah, it's lovely, man. Thanks for your time. Yeah, anytime. All right. Anytime. And there you go. There is a little bit of Rahaf's story. Uh, make sure if you're in Nashville, you look her up, see where she is cooking. I know currently she's kind of doing private events and stuff like that. So if you're around here and say you got a wedding or um, any kind of private event where you need a, a chef of her expertise, make sure to connect with her. And um, hopefully you walked away from an interview with a, a couple of great nuggets you can apply to uh, your life. Maybe you're you're trying to decide what do you do if you are um, getting ready to go to college or if you're stuck in a job you don't love, which you could kind of listen to a few of these other episodes and have some encouragement to step out and, and go pursue. Push aside some fear and and um, jump off the ledge. 
course, with a bungee strap or something. But uh, anyway, so yeah, that was a great interview. Um, so this week, we will not have a musical guest. Um, I decided, I don't know, a couple months ago, I wasn't going to stress out if if I didn't have the uh, music element on it. If I get one and I have a couple songs, great. If not, then guess what? The podcast will still go on. The sponsors for the podcast are the one and only me, Andrew Buckwalter, with Buckwalter Impact Group of Benchmark Realty. If you have any real estate needs in Nashville, if you're looking to buy or sell or looking for investment properties, make sure to give me a shout. I love doing the podcast. I love meeting new people. I love sharing the stories and sharing what others are doing in Nashville. But first of all, I love real estate. So I am here to help you. If you have any lender needs, make sure to give Brandon Hutchison a shout with Legacy Mutual. And if you are in need of a good title, David Weber with Limestone Title and Escrow would love to have your business. Next week, make sure to tune in. I will be sitting down with Devin Williams. He is a local photographer in Nashville. A couple years ago, I went to a retreat kind of conference with uh, Ron Mickler and an Order of Man um, group, and he was the photographer, and so I kind of connected with him a bit then and followed him throughout on Facebook, and he's got some pretty awesome photography that he's taken in different cities, uh, Nashville being his his home, Um, and so that's where he's got a lot of his current uh, photography. So I followed that and I thought, Hey, I don't think I've sat down with the photographer yet. So, uh, I know another mutual friend said he'd be a good interview. So we hung out and actually, yeah, he played baseball in college. Um, so he had, uh, he had a great story as well. So make sure you tune into that next week. As always, thanks for taking the time to listen to the episodes on Nashville untold. Feel free to share And until next week, hope you have a great one. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.